spirituality, consciousness, health, and mindset. Welcome to the Ascend Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Chris Hopper. And I'm Dan Harrison. Together, we are all wisdom and knowledge. Hey, what is up everyone? This week on the Ascend podcast, we are joined by Matt Belair and Michael Sanders. So lately on this podcast, we've been basically asking all the biggest questions about the universe. But one of the biggest questions is who you truly are. And in my opinion, this is a journey at times that can be very tricky while also bathing in the ocean of chaos that is the sea of conditioning that is constantly shining down on us in the attempt to suspend and try and shut off our ideas, our imagination and ultimately our consciousness. So just imagine a fisherman in the night sea. He's immersed in blackness and struggling to have faith that he's ever going to catch any fish. But then anyway, with a leap of courage, he puts down his nets. Then just when the fisherman thinks it cannot get any worse, some rocks tear through his net and leaves them in shreds. But even though it's pitch black and he has big holes in his net, he still has a tiny bit of hope. So anyway, this fisherman then decides it's time to bring up his net. And also don't forget, he has huge gaping holes in them. So anyway, the fisherman brings up all his nets and there is no sign of any fish. Then all of a sudden he notices in the corner there is one fish that is stuck to the net. So basically what I'm trying to say is that no matter how much your own human imagination net is being teared down by the fears, illusions of society saying do this, do that, we're told no, we're told unimportant, get a degree, get a job, get this, get that. There is always a chance that throughout the chaos, you can find that one tiny fish in your net of imagination that can spark a process and journey to you finding out who you truly are. Then from then, from there, you can then reclaim back your own mind and get it out the hands of the cultural engineers who do want to turn your nets of imagination into junk and fill it up with things that they want your net to become. And just to sum up that point as well, there was a quote that I read by Ralph Waldo Emerson. He said, to be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you someone, something else is the greatest accomplishment. And it really is. So I know that all you who are listening to this now are hugely aware of this and have done or are well on the way to becoming who you truly are. So all of you should be super proud of who you are and who you are becoming. And to help you along with this journey, we wanted to bring a conversation to you with two individuals who have really stepped in to find out who they truly are. And maybe their journeys could also inspire you on yours. So me and Chris anyway formed this beautiful connection with Matt Belair and Michael Sanders. And for me anyway, I definitely see these two as two people who are really on this incredible path and two people have really stepped into knowing themselves. And Matt and Michael really do have so many great stories to tell in terms of how they overcome their nets of society, which we really dig into in this podcast. So for you who don't know who these guys are, 
This fact speaks for itself. This is both Matt and Michael's sixth appearance now on the podcast. And Matt Belay is an author, snowboarder, podcast host, speaker, conscious thought leader, and just all around badass. And Michael is also an author, storyteller, explorer, entrepreneur, mover, and works on many different amazing conscious projects, all the way from clean energy to evolution of love on the dance floor. So all you are going to find so much value in this one. But just before we jump this one, I just want to see if you do believe in what we're doing and want to support this podcast, you can now do so by going to our Patreon page and checking out all the different reward tiers that we set up for you. We even have a $2 reward tier that gives you access to bonus content and special bonus conversations and other rants that don't just quite make the podcast. And you might be thinking, what's the point in only donating $2 a month? But this is not the case because if all you who listen to this podcast just even donate $2 a month, we'd really be able to take this to the next level. It would be so cool. And we've also just added a new one-hour bonus conversation podcast to that Patreon page as well. So if you would like to check that out and check out all the other bonus content that we keep adding every week, to the Patreon page, all you need to do is join the Patreon community and in the process support the podcast. And I just also want to say that we love that you are coming on this journey with us. We're a part of your journey, but you are a big part of ours. So anyway, let's jump this one. Enjoy. boys just to start this we all understand the importance in reclaiming the mind right and there's a lot of people who are really still the point in their journey where they're trying to find themselves while being immersed in a world that is sort of constantly giving you certain frameworks to operate and we're told things like we're unimportant get a degree get a job get this get that things like that which we know and i think the brilliant starting point of this conversation and one that will give some great perspective is delving into your journeys and how you two sort of both navigated that world. I mean, to really open this conversation, I would love to know, how did you actually find out who you truly are in a world that says become someone else? I just realized, I'm like, this can't be all there is. And I was really baffled by people's obsession for material things and confused as to why people were always talking about the weather instead of the universe and why we weren't always asking ourselves, who am I? What are we doing here? And what the hell is going on? And, uh, you know, I would go to kindergarten and my early, um, early grade school, and I'd be really baffled by the fact that we'd be so focused on the minutia. So we'd be learning about, you know, English or science or math, and I'd be staring at a chalkboard. And I knew there were some, you know, worthwhile lessons in there, but I just couldn't, I couldn't understand why we weren't focused on the bigger picture. And we were so obsessed with these little details, like why weren't the teacher is asking these existential questions. And um, fortunately, as a child, I had my dad to speak with about these larger concepts. And when I was five years old, I said to him, I, I don't believe there's a God. And um, the framework I was operating in was um, more of a, from a, a Christian perspective, that that's just sort of what I knew at that age of what people thought of as God. And um, so I'd say throughout my entire life, from the age of five to 26, I was immersed in existential contemplation, and it was a very serious endeavor. Um, it was 
it was fun, but it was, it was really serious. Um, and you know, like when I was in high school and university, I was re- I had a lot of angst. I was really pissed off by the government's really pissed off by the dissemination of information through media. Uh, 9-11 was a big catalyst for me. Like it, it just enraged me with the way that, um, information was distributed to people and how it just seemed like everybody was being brainwashed and um i hated it um fortunately i i saw um and, and i was really confused too like when i was um growing up the only goal i ever really had was to write a book that i thought would be was awesome and i always imagined it would be a great work of fiction um and i wanted to sort of communicate some of these ideas through a narrative and um i you know i didn't i beyond that i didn't know what i was going to do for a career i was really confused in university i liked what i was studying but i didn't know how i was going to apply this information that i was learning um and then a big a big shift for me was when i saw avatar for the first time um a lot of my friends jokingly refer to avatar as my initial enlightenment and um I just I went from seeing the world as this interconnected, dark and competitive place to this interconnected um, and beautiful place. Um, and so that that really like changed my disposition. And you know, then I went through um, when I really started uncovering movement to a deeper degree. I recognized that that was a big part of like what I wanted. And movement, I think, is. A- wonderful way to pe- for people to discover themselves because even in the way like fitness industries operate um i believe they're very narrow in focus and it's all about training but like people should be asking what are you training for and are do you enjoy this process are you are you enabling your body to, for more freedom or are you just like getting more injuries because a lot of times with movement and fitness people like they keep activating these same muscular and neural pathways over and over again and they're not actually expanding their movement capacity they're just getting more proficient at very limited ranges of motions or skill sets and um so once i like started working with Edo portal and um expanding my movement awareness and then it was this recognition like if you can understand your body and increase its capacity and understand the physical realms at a higher degree then it translates over so the rest of your life, you're expanding your consciousness and the way you navigate not only three-dimensional reality, but every form of reality, um, whether it's mental, emotional, spiritual, or physical. And so, you know, sort of breaking out of the mold through working with Ido Portal was another big thing that helped me discover who I was. But then I, I sort of fell into the trap of investing or attaching too much of my identity to movement. And sort of that's where the start of my book, Ayahuasca and Executives Enlightenment, uh, takes off is when I'm I'm so goal oriented. Working as the vice president of an ad agency, the co-founder of a startup in the gaming industry, and I'm trying to achieve a one arm handstand, a one arm chin up, a 400 pound squat, and financial freedom all at the same time. You know, I, largely because you know we do live in a society that is so goal oriented and so um, attuned to the idea that you need to like do more, be more, accomplish more. Um, in order to feel any sense of wholeness. And um, that's when, um, you know, I, I went through a really dark stage at the start of 2013, as, as I know the 
the three of you guys know that about me. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, I was going through extreme fatigue. I, I felt not the slight bit rested. My strength was disappearing. I wasn't getting boners, and I was only 25 or 26 years old. Um, and it was really my soul crying out, saying, like, what are you doing to me? You know, like, wh why, why are you being so hard on me and hard on yourself? And um, that's when I, I consulted with a natural path. I started focusing more on play and developed a daily meditation practice. And, you know, I think play is one of the biggest things that has enabled me to find myself and who I am. And it's, uh, it's a continually evolving process. I, I'm now playing more than ever. And I really think that play is the acknowledgement of how wonderful this life is, how wonderful this experience is. And it's a celebration of life. It's, it's an expression of gratitude for what I am now is enough and what I have now is enough. And I think in a world that's constantly pushing us to strive for more, to recognize that you are already enough, that you are already whole, is perhaps the most liberating knowing that you can, you can have. And um, some of the biggest catalysts for that were when I went to Burning Man for the first time, um, as I know Matt's so familiar with and we've been there together, um, is that when I arrived there, it was this, to me, it was the manifestation of human potential and perhaps the ultimate expression of play, where people are manifesting their truest, deepest, unconditioned desires in the most beautiful way imaginable. And you truly see everyone's creative capacity in a world that isn't putting any pressure on anyone. It's just, it's just providing the dreamscape for us to share our gifts. And so being there instilled me with this vibration of love that I really didn't even consciously know that I was seeking, but it, it truly felt like home, not just home in a physical sense, but home in a soul sense that, wow, I've always wanted, I've always wanted this feeling without knowing that it was even possible. And then the next, obviously a big catalyst for me was when I went down to Peru and I had my three ayahuasca ceremonies because as I've said many times that those ceremonies shattered my previous paradigm of reality and showed me something so far beyond my wildest imagination that now informs my entire way of being and it was while I was in Peru that I recognized that my the seriousness of my existential contemplation all the questions were being answered and I felt this tremendous sense of peace in recognizing that the fabric of our universe is love, that it is the creative force behind all things. And that standing and knowing has been with me and evolving ever since. And it's not to suggest that I never have questions anymore, because of course, this universe, this life we live in is forever changing. It's constant, it's dynamic. But I come from a different place of total trust and knowing and um and even oftentimes an observer perspective so that if I am going through struggles, uh, my perspective is different and I appreciate the fact that I even get the opportunity to struggle. Mm -hmm. So I would say that in order for me to find who I am, there's always been this thirst, um, this deep insatiable desire up until I was 26 of trying to figure out what the hell is going on and stepping outside of societal norms I never I always had an issue with authority I never understood why somebody else was in a position to tell me what to do and what gave them authority because I always thought that each and every human being is equally able 
And I think that's sometimes a trap that people will fall into is they place, let's say, celebrities or leaders on this pedestal as though that individual perhaps has some greater access to, let's say, the divine. And yet we all have that access because we are all the divine. We are all God. And I think when we're able to remember that, then we can step outside of these um, constraints that we may feel like we've been um, chained, chained within. Yeah. By the way, Michael, so much in that. And I absolutely love that, by the way. And when you were talking about when you were saying that you were a five-year-old kid, I think mm. that's, that's really interesting to me because I resonate so much with that because I always remember when I was younger, I was sitting in the house and I was always remember staring out the window and asking sort of them questions like what you were just asking there. I mean, Matt, just to bring you in as well, does that resonate with you? Were we, when you were five years old, were you someone who was asking questions like that or, or was it more later on in your life where you were asking the big questions, asking who you truly were? Yeah, man. Well, first of all, Sanders, freaking epic, bro. <laughs> I could yeah. listen to you talk all day, man. I always just drop it. <laughs> Amazing, just wisdom with a soothing voice and, <laughs> and epic story storytelling skills. <laughs> um, so, yeah, man, I could just sit back and recline and, and enjoy. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's a, you know, I think that even you guys asking this question is the fundamental question. And so for me, um, what I realized only recently within the last couple of years – by being interviewed by people like you um, and others, they always ask, you know, what was your awakening experience? You know, when did what what was the shift? What was the catalyst? And I never had one. Um, so, you know, that's like they'll say, oh, you're an indigo or a star seed or put some freaking word to it. But the only difference was is exactly what Sanders is talking about is I just wanted to know who, who I was, what's going on, what's the meaning of life, what am I capable of um, and, and asked big questions and what for me was disheartening was as I got older, I thought it was normal. I thought everybody thought like I did. And, you know, I had really great high school friends and I still, I'm friends with all of them to this day. And as high we started to get more educated. We started to, you know, you go from a child to a teen and you experience all that kind of good stuff. And then you become into an adulthood and you've got to go to college or university. And I'm still asking them these questions like, what are you going to do with your life? What do you think's going on here? Who are you? Um, you know, and just exploring these concepts. And, you know, they wouldn't really, they would kind of entertain me and I kind of more or less talk to myself. Um, but I didn't realize that I was different. Um, and that was the only thing that, and I still, ask those questions now. Who am I? What What do I want? How do I want to express myself? And so for me, it, you know, knowing who you are is simply just, uh, it's just like a constant evolution for your desire to express yourself as a human, um, you know, in whatever way that is. And so the same thing as Sanders and, and you guys, like authority for me was like, no, you know what I mean? School, no. Police, no. Everything, no. Like I'm a sovereign being. F you, you're not going to tell me what to do. And why are you, it's, you know, and through my study of psychology and the mind and martial arts and meditation, you know, I came to realize that school is conditioning, that I realized how society can conditions you. And it's a very uh, sophisticated, amazing, incredible form of mass hypnosis. People are asleep and we're not taught to be awake. And so people are now having these awakening experiences. And now because of the podcast and some of the things that I'm doing, I'm getting just interesting, you know, emails like, when did you wake up? Like, what is the first thing that you did? You know, I, because it shatters your reality and you have to start from ground one where I never built my reality on something that was for someone else it was like i don't care how hard it is like i'm gonna figure out what i want to do who i want to be and pursue it wholeheartedly with everything that i have and so in doing that it's led me to have really incredible experiences a very different um life experience than most people with a lot of travel 
um, you know, a lot of different things that most people haven't done. But all, all that is, is when you wake up, you just say, okay, cool. What is it that I actually want to do? And it's a process of letting go. And I really love when Sanders said, you're already enough. And that's the truth. You know, where it's like, okay, well, when we become an adult and we go to university, then we're going to be good enough to get a job. And then we'll be good enough to do that job 40 hours a week until we retire. Um, you know, you're already good enough. Um, and you're going to just have different experiences. And with each new experience, we'll open up new options for you. And then you choose the one that gives you the highest joy. Just pursuing your joy and bliss and and doing it without compromising um, the things that you don't want to be for security. And that's, you know, maybe another fundamental difference that I notice in chatting with people is, um, you know, enlightenment or being awake is is two things. It's um, taking 100% responsibility for for everything that ever happened to you um, and then being of service to others. And as a byproduct, you know, you want to express yourself in the way that you want to express yourself, how you want to experience this world um, without compromising. You know, people will compromise their their days and their weeks for security, for false security. And then all of a sudden they're 10 years, 20 years deep in a job they hate, you know, and they forgot about art or painting or who they were because they needed this house and their house still isn't even paid off. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, I'm like traveling the world, training with people, learning who I want to learn from. I was like, yeah, I'll figure that out later because um, that's not as important. I want to live. I want to be alive. I want to be human. I, I want to express myself, you know, and if I die and this is another interesting test, um, I, I really need to make this audio. So uh, I'll make myself accountable right here. If you go to my SoundCloud, there will be an audio very shortly on a shamanic death ritual. <laughs> And it's really a wonderful experience because you go through and it's like, if you die, are you stoked with, with, um, how you live? So I was with my girlfriend in Sedona and, uh, we're, we're hiking up a very famous mountain. And, uh, you know, I, I put us in a precarious position cause we went the wrong way following someone went the wrong way and we were screwed, man. Like I was, I had like, I looked, I was like, Oh my God, I, I reached, I put her up. We were, we we're right at the very top. Um, and, and if we fell, we were, we were toast and I had to get her down and I had to get myself down and I couldn't get my foot down to where I was and I couldn't go up. I was screwed. And so I had that shake in your body. Like you're about to die, man. And I was like, Oh crap. And so as I had that experience, I had to face my own death to get out of this spot and make a leap of faith to get my foot down kind of thing. Like I was kind of like holding the rock with all fours. It was really bad. Um, and I had to get my girlfriend down too. And so, so to, come to a state of calm peace to get myself out. Right. Cause if I freak out, like, you know, then obviously I'm toast. Um, so I was like, okay, I had to accept my debt, my death to get out of the situation. And, um, so as I did that, I, the thought that went through my, my head was, I guess my work is done and I felt <laughs> peace oh. and that's what I felt. That's just what happened. I didn't choose that. That's just what happened. And I, and I was like, okay, cool. And then I just, proceeded to get her down and get myself down and it worked out and i basically crapped my pants and we just sat there on the edge of this mountain just be like oh my god we almost both died and i said what did you think like what happened like did you have to accept your own death too she's like yeah and uh <laughs> and i was like well what what went through your mind she's like no there's a lot of stuff i wish that i had had done that's like the, not, that's not difference. ever 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 go on a walk with matt again <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. It's, it's, it can be precarious. Being in my vicinity can always be precarious, depending. <laughs> but we're not safe on this side of the podcast. That's where we are. <laughs> but um, honestly, yeah. honestly, guys, um, they're both fascinating stories on your insights. And 
honestly greatly appreciate you giving them and I think um, from both your answers there I can both um, I can tell a lot of similarities especially in like the beginning origins of like it's all about the questions that you started asking yourself and they started this started like open up the void itself I mean something that I actually switched in my mind was um was sort of the thinking of uh, I have to do something to change it to, mm. to get to do something so instead of like oh well I've got a I've got to go up and clean my room instead of, wow, I get to go up and clean my room to experience it like like completely clean. And like that that kind of switch shit happened in my mind. And I felt so much more clear just by doing all these little things, just like saying, well, I've got to go to the shops. And instead of, yeah, I get to go to the shops where other people in this world really can't even walk to the shop. I can't even walk. So all them little have to to get to, little switches completely changed my operating system completely and um i had this like opening of gratitude especially the more and more i experience this life the more and more gratitude i get i mean have you always had this acceptance of gratitude in your lives um i i would say i was less grateful when i was younger um, i'm definitely a lot more grateful now and just like you um yeah i had a, a big shift in my perspective uh it was around uh like the ayahuasca experience was really um, something it showed me that everything is a choice. So there, there are no obligations. All of them are self-imposed. And uh, um, yeah, like I get to do the dishes or I get to take out the trash because that's going to make my life better. Or I get to go to work. Like all these things um, really, they show you how beautiful all of these experiences are and then translate into gratitude. So yeah, for me, like I now express gratitude every single moment. Like I'm just thanking all things, the whole universe, myself, every moment that I get to do this. And that has been one of the most uh, transformative practices of my life. Yeah, I love that, by the way, Michael, as well. And before as well, Michael, because I want to jump on a point that you said before as well, that sort of ties into that conversation as well. You were talking about how embracing play and things like that. And I know, Matt, as well, you're someone who does, you're someone who embraces play as well. But I know, Michael, as well, you were referring to sort of like playing with the body as well. But do you sort of em embrace play and transcend that over to every aspect of life? So in terms of, say, if you, say if you, um, so something that I recognise anyway, say if I'm driving down the road or something like that, and um, you feel, you feel your old, like sort of cultural operating system coming back into play and saying get angry, get angry and things like that if someone cuts you up in the road. Mm -hmm. But for me lately, I've been seeing that as a game, like as a video game. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I was actually wondering, do you also transcend that play in your lives over to, like, to sort of mundane things as well? Oh yeah, I feel like every moment is play. The work I do feels like play. Having this conversation with you guys is just the ultimate play. It's so much fun. Um, doing nothing is play. I Every time I go driving, I'm like, holy shit, I get to hop inside of this metallic spaceship that's temperature <laughs> controlled and I get to play any sound in the world that I want to listen to while I'm zipping down a road at like 100 or 120 kilometers an hour. And just this, this feat alone is so mind-blowing. And if you were to put one of our ancestors in this vehicle right now, like they couldn't even comprehend the speed with which we're traveling. And... So every time I'm in a car, like whether it's traffic or not, I'm just like, this is such a fucking amazing experience. Um, so yeah, the, the play translates to every aspect of life. And I, I do think it's, um, it is that acknowledgement. It is that expression of gratitude. And when you can find that in an increasing numbers of things, it starts to spill over into all things. Yeah. Matt, do you feel that as well? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, totally, man. Uh, it's so interesting uh, that we're talking about play because I had the thought yesterday or two days ago. Um, I was watching something on YouTube, and I don't know how I got here, but I love animals. And so it was something like uh, a pet coyote and a, and a um, lynx or something, and they put them together, and they're playing, right? And for rehabilitation, I love crap like that. So it's like, oh, that's so cute. And then I was just kind of thinking – how interesting is it that even big animals like grizzly bears and lions and all that stuff, they play also. And I was like, isn't that weird that like almost all things that are babies play, you know, yeah. like they're, they're creatures that will kill you in their natural habitat. They're animals are different than humans, but you put two kids together. They play, you put two uh, wolves together. They play, you put a grizzly bear and a wolf together that are babies. They play. It's so mm-hmm. – I found that so interesting. So um, I think that play is, is super important and we're also touching on perspective. And so you know, one of the perspectives that you know, for me, people with a more enjoyable life experience, they, they usually operate under the perception that everything that I, that I experience is for my highest good, even the crappy stuff. And so that also puts you back into the I am a creator mode. Um, so your perspective is everything and so – if we can think about things as play, if we can uh, think that every single thing that happens to me, even if it's terrible in the moment, is for my highest good, the universe is on my side, it changes our life experience. And the only thing that we really have control over is uh, is our perception and how we're going to deal with our reality. In Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, which is an excellent book, I highly recommend people check out, um, he says the last and greatest of all human freedoms is – the ability to choose our perspective in any situation, something along those lines. But basically, you know, he's going through this awful experience in a uh, concentration camp, you know, facing atrocities, but he comes to that ultimate recognition. So if we can get to that recognition without the trauma, um, we can have massive change in our life. And the thing is, it's only going to affect our life. So many people, I I think, are so worried of about what's outside their control and what others are doing and how society is. Um, and we can affect our own reality, our own uh, perspective, our own way of being. And it's a, it's about vibrational state. It is about joy and bliss. If we are moving around each day in play um, with a, an attitude that the universe is on our side, that we're learning, that we're in a game, that we have this opportunity to have life, life is incredible. You know, we, we're experiencing something so unique, so beautiful, so outstanding in every single way, so fascinating, so unlimited, <laughs> and people are miserable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, guys, this is epic. Yeah, yeah. You just got to let go of the nonsense, you know, just drop that nonsense now, hard, uh, you know, and, 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 yeah, move towards love and joy and bliss. And what what do you want to experience as a human here? Yeah. You know? Yeah, I love oh, that. man. That was awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I love, wow. I love that, by the way, Matt, as well. That was, was a beautiful point as well. Um, and before as well, like you were saying, you were talking about the two animals sort of playing and things like that. It's interesting to me because when I think in my mind now, as a human being on this planet, we all inherently sort of want to tap into that. We all want to just play as a human being. But a bit of a question from that as well. I mean, I'm actually questioning why is that? Why does that play get pulled out of us? Because, when, like I said, when we're young age, especially when you're younger, everyone wants to play. But I'm actually making the question, how much of a sort of a, a person is actually being put there compared to sort of what we truly are? Can you rephrase that question? Compared, like, how natural is, is 
play versus w- the way we're living? Yeah, so in the context... Is that kind of the I'll idea? Try, yeah, I'll try and open it up even bigger. So in the, in the context of play that I was using this, so in society, we know that a young child wants to play. You, a ch- child will play all day. But when you get older, you sort of... The conditioning comes in and you, you don't, in a sense, you don't want to sort of play play, play on that bigger scale and play in that general sense and be and put your mind as, back as a child. But in a sense as well, just to open it up even bigger... In, in society now, we know we all have these constantly, all the time, these cultural operating systems are constantly being fed into our system. And I'm just asking the question, maybe them sort of are stopping us from playing? Yeah, yeah. So so a lot of my research was, uh, is why why do we have war? So that's when I, I didn't understand why we had war and famine. And so that's when I... Um, you know, I'm sitting in my house and I'm looking at this ad. I only had two two channels of television as a kid, and one of them would be this recurring ad about people starving to death in Africa. You know, and you'd see those hor- horrific images. And as a as a kid, I'm very sensitive. I'd cry, and I'd just be like, "What is going on? Like, how is this possible? How, I don't understand. I just couldn't understand how we couldn't solve that. You know, we have all this technology and abundance, and how." how are we not teaming up as this community right now and making sure these people have rice, you know? And so then I went down the rabbit hole of conspiracy and all that kind of stuff. And it's probably darker than people even imagine. Um, but on the flip side, what I learned is, you know, it's very, like I said, sophisticated systems that just program out who and what we are. Um, you know, one of the messed up ones is uh, a shock therapy. Um, that was a test done um where they were seeing if they could basically the ghost in the machine, the ghost in the shell, the spirit, they're seeing if they could shock the spirit out of us so that we wouldn't have that choice, that, that natural source spark of infinity in the divine. That's what they wanted to get to. And so they've kind of settled with this, you know, whatever they're able to do with media and stuff like that. And so it's very sophisticated through uh, television, media, education, everything, you know, so we're, we're in a, you know, it's, 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 in my truth that we're in a world that's trying to kill us and limit what we are. Uh, if you look at food enough, you'll realize that's messed up. If you look at why they put fluoride in the water, that's messed up. Um, so once you realize that you're like, okay, cool. The world's set up to kill me, to limit my abilities, to have me fall in line and become a worker. Now that I realize this, now what do I do? Cause we can't change the system. We're basically what I think is we're system busters. It's become, you know, it maybe served us back in the day in the agricultural age or uh, certain times, but now that we have a more sophisticated system and now we have the internet where we can figure out what's true and what's not true, we have more options. We have the ability to learn, the ability to, to adapt, uh, technologies that can change the world overnight. And so now we need to tap into these things as individuals um, to allow us more freedom, or we can stay in the muck of what's been handed to us. It's like, you know, we go and we go to a grocery store and they hand us like a pile of shit and we just eat it. You know, that's essentially what we're having as this cultural society. It's awful, but there are, there are segments of cultures, of communities, of cities that are operating on a more conscious, more expansive, more holistic manner that we can tap into instantly, uh, right away. So, you you know, without going into detail, you know, I'd spent, looked at this for years. It's in a very sophisticated system to condition out who and what we actually are. And that's when I got really pissed and I went through a depression for about like two years. I was super, super pissed off. Mm. Um, murder, man. It's it's mass murder. That's what's happening. Yeah. Um, I was so dark. Sorry. That's great. When you know, when you know, you know, you have 
the choice, right? We, we have infinite options. So I'll just, you know, just so it's not so dark. But once we know that, once we know Burger King and McDonald's is killing you, once you know fluoride in your toothpaste is not good for you because it's poison, once we know that stuff, we can start making different choices and 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 we basically have to free ourselves. So I think it's important you know, that people know that they're in a system that like why should, would you go to the grocery store and – stuff is not good for you that doesn't make any sense you know what i mean that takes a little bit of reprogramming like whoa if i just eat what they're handing me it's it's really could cause a lot of damage like that's a crazy thought you know and then you really got to look like okay what is good for me so then when we start to educate ourselves um look forward and create the life that we want built on health vibrancy love community um you know our own expansion our own options uh, then we can know what to avoid. You know, rather than going to McDonald's, maybe you make yourself a nice salad or a homemade stew. You know, yeah, I really like that, brother. Um, and I think you've hit the nail on the head on how we're actually we're actually so conditioned that we just accept what society has given us. And I think a lot of us, like the four of us, we start when you start to unveil the curtain, you see you see a lot of the bigger picture, and you, and you, you kind of don't like how the movie's been made, sort of. Say. It's like uh, you think Nike's amazing until you find out it's uh, like thousands of sweatshops in like Vietnam making them, and it's like so it's a completely eye opener experience when you see the whole like unveiling of the curtain. And to be honest, like Dan, when you start to talk about like um, play, and I was actually thinking in my mind, like, why do we actually like end play? Why why does some why is it like bad for us to like play as like an adult and stuff like that? And I was thinking like. I came on with five things on like why we changed um, when we're growing up, and so um, and I'll just say them straight. I put responsibilities, like we have an expansion of responsibilities to us. I mean, we become a lot more independent. There's added pressure. There's the identity and finding yourself and purpose, the education, the lack of education in yourself, and one of the most important ones, I think, sex. Honestly, I really do. I think the hormone changes and the, this urge for sex and to reproduce is like thrust upon us. Like we would do whatever it takes for the opposite sex to like us at that time. We completely give away like who we are just for like experience sex because there's so much pressure evolved around it. Well, in my case, there was. Um, so I think that was one of the biggest pressures for me was actually sex, especially growing up. It like controlled me to a long purpose of my life from the age of probably 12 to 25. That's, I'd say, a completely change. Really. Just to jump in there as well, I'll, I'll actually, in a sense, actually just to jump in there because I disagree with Chris in a sense because um, it's very interesting because mm. I don't think sex is the, is actually the issue. I think it's the it's the conditioning around the word of sex. So like we know in school now, um, in the, way, the whole the world, the way the world operates, it's all around the conditioning that, like we know, like the way that, it's just like porn and things like that. Sex is, like that isn't really sex. In the end of the day, like the way the the way the the system is sort of ingraining this in child in children's minds, like it's all over now. Like you know that you can easily just go on the internet now and access any porn site, all over the all over the any porn site you want, any time. And it's interesting to me that that in society now there's not a proper framework to actually dissect and get across to children what what sex is really about. And that's what I would love to see what you think on that as well. Mm. Um, whoa, oh, wow. There's a lot in there, but, um, definitely it's interesting that you, uh, speak of sex being an inhibitor to play because I agree that in many cases it is, it, it is, but like sex is such an incredible form of play. Yeah, I was gonna say and that. I, I too, when I was younger, like, I mean, from the age of, you know, 
12 or 13, I just had this raging boner in my pants all the time that like wanted me to, I would, I just put so much, I put sex on such a still, you know, like the opportunity to have this experience with a woman. And it was really all that was on my mind from, you know, like 13 to my early twenties in a, in a large sense, I was thinking about it all the time. And yeah, I did put a lot of pressure on myself. I made it so serious. And um, what's interesting, though, is like, as I've gotten older, you know, and back then, like, I may have been um, open. I wasn't exposed to them, but I certainly would have been open to the idea of like, let's say dating strategies, you know, or actually in early university, I read The Game by Neil Strauss, which is like, all about the strategic thinking around being with women. And yet, what I've found in, in recent years is like playing is the the most amazing way to find yourself in these sexual experiences. And it becomes non-strategic whatsoever. Like the goal isn't to have sex. It's just to play and have fun yeah. with, with a, a woman. And I, I find that when you're playing, like you end up attracting the most beautiful women inside and out. Like they're just so fun and, and grounded and wonderful and these geniuses that have so much to offer us as men because like men can definitely learn a, a whole lot from women and um yeah i think like playing is the best way to um most wonderful love making experiences so it is very interesting that our society has kind of got it twisted and i do think that porn probably has played a large role in that um you know because now more than ever like you know a, a 12 year old can find access to all of these crazy websites and just it, you know they didn't actually have to go out in the world and find themselves in a situation where they're like you know 13 years old with a girl at the park and they've each snuck out of their parents house on like a thursday night and they're kissing under a swing set or whatever like that's no longer the exciting thing for children because they're watching like a gangbang with fucking people wearing like horse heads and stuff because there's just all sorts of stuff you can find on the internet. And I think like one of the biggest things I, I just stopped watching porn when I was 22 years old because I recognized it was having, uh, actually even, I think even 20 years old, I recognized it was having an unhealthy impact on my relationship with my girlfriend. I found that I was, I was more excited to go masturbate to porn and then, like, I knew I would do that every day. And then, like, when she would come over and be like, oh, maybe we'll have sex, maybe we won't. But I didn't have as much of, like, that drive because this stuff I could watch on my computer was, I guess, trigger like, I don't know, making a, a greater dopamine secretion in my brain. And so when I recognized that, I just, I stopped. And I haven't watched it for about 10 years. And I think that would be an amazing thing for uh, everyone to do. Yeah. You really find some self-empowerment, especially when you take away all that, um, the external part of sex, where it's just all about, like, the image and the, the voyeurism. And I don't think it's like, mm-hmm. I think when you take all, strip that away and all you see is the beautiful connection with the woman, I think that's when you can enjoy play. You can actually, you can surrender the guard and you can become who you truly are in that moment. And I think that's the most beautiful aspect of sex. And I think that is incredible. But um, what I was going on about was like when I was finding my identity through life, like I placed all my um, understanding of life around the idea of girls liking us. And so I had mm-hmm. I dressed differently in in aspect of like not who I was, but in how I should look to impress. And it was it was always an external image and everything else was internal. I lost because I didn't lose it because I, I don't think I'd found it at the point, but. I didn't address who I was 
And so I was always living in other people's shadow. And that was primarily through, I'd say, sex. Yeah, it's well, it's very interesting. And, and your list is really on point. It's a really great list. Um, very insightful. Uh, I agree with the list. Mostly the sex thing is a very interesting topic because um, people don't talk about it. It's super taboo, right? And mm, basically, yeah. these beautiful things that we can experience as humans, they just kind of get distorted or bastardized. Uh, same with religion. You know, it's a really beautiful thing possibly and it's caused more murders than uh, you know than anything else because you can just distort the image a little bit um same with the uh, media and television it's just taking like a truth or a concept and just bastardizing it and distorting a little bit and it messes our, our brains up man like you know just think about um television and uh you know and and music and what you're listening to you listen to the lyrics and you're just like what, what is this nonsense um so we're, we're kind of bombarded by these things that are not good for us and we're not aware a lot of time and so our generation um you know once we become aware it can create higher quality conscious content for people to consume um because in buddhism they'll call it mental nutriments so if you wake up and you read like you suck on the wall and you look at like uh, murder shows all day every Every day and you read the news and everything's getting blown up and there's terrorists everywhere and that's what you consume yourself with these are all your external mental nutriments um it's going to affect the way you think it's going to affect how you speak it's going to affect how you feel um so it's really important for us to have these positive mental nutriments and you're not going to get them from the mainstream uh society and one of the came um yesterday which i think is fitting it says uh, mental slavery is the worst form of slavery it gives to the illusion of freedom makes you trust, love, and defend your oppressor while making an em enemy of those who are trying to free you um, or open your eyes. And I've really noticed that uh, it's it's quite true that people only want to wake up, you know. So just you don't need to wake anyone up. You just need to be the example of truth because uh, it's just it's just a resonance. You can't wake up anybody for them. And just on a lighter side, I remember hearing this joke once it's just like i think one of my friends is like you know guys only do everything for girls and sex it's like we want to make more money uh so we can get a hotter girl we go to the gym so we can get a hotter girl everything that we do we learn so we can get a better job to get to make more money to get a hotter girl and i was like you know what that could be one of our basic underlying principles of being a man um but um you know sex and and real high quality true communication with another a woman, or even if you're gay, like, you know what I mean? Whatever, that love expression um, is something unique and very, very special to being human. And uh, a lot of the high-level stuff that I've seen is it's a very, very powerful way to create, you know, God communion if you can get to that level of consciousness. Um, and there's not a lot of people out there that on that level, but they do exist because there's a lot of, you know, it starts with the primal chakra. One of the Burning Man uh, analogies I heard once and really loved was it uh, it's a root chakra springboard you go into Burning Man thinking with your root chakra you know you're gonna go get some ladies and it's this epic party but then you're dusted with like consciousness and a fifth dimensional experience and like maybe you get humbled in some sort of manner um, but I think a lot of guys do do start with that um, definite root chakra agenda because it's it's biology it's primal but when we can have a healthy concept around what sex is and how we express it it's gonna improve our lives for sure yeah, definitely. I agree with that, Matt, as well. And I was actually thinking as well, for me anyway, sex, it's sex is like an energy as well. And I think as well, it, 
because we, we can't we can never get away from the fact that it's actually ingrained in our evolution i mean it's all our evolutionary biomarkers are saying like look for female look for female look for female but i think like like you have been both been saying i think you, it's about working with that energy you've got to sort of tap in red and sort of learn how to work with that energy instead of letting that let, instead of letting the energy just take over you that's that's the way i see it anyway but as well just as before as well um because this is a, this is a very interesting question i want to ask of you as well because What's very interesting to me, and I would love to see see your both of yours insight into this, is that so we know that no matter like we've been talking about all this the social conditioning thing that's in society we were talking about earlier. So we know that no matter sort of who you are, we're living in a world now where you've sort of got to deal with all this sort of shit. Like you, like you've got to pay, you've got everyone's got to pay bills and things like that. But th- this is a big question I would love to ask you. So when used to are like we know that used to are both sort of high sort of energy and you're positive people and you're in this constant sort of love vibe or like a vibe or love space or whatever you want to call it but i would love to know how do you actually balance out sort of the the societal demands versus sort of expanding your own consciousness um, that, that's a big one but it's just i would love to see yeah that um i i'd say it's it's being true to myself and listening to my heart um i like you know i'd say the principles that i i follow would be, you know, I dance a lot, I play a lot, I meditate, I focus on my nutrition, I focus on my health, I know what my purpose is, I ask questions, and I just do this every day, and I'm uncompromising about loving myself. Like, I truly love myself so deeply, and I therefore love all of existence as well. Um, so that, that's the answer in a nutshell. Um, and I want to bring up a quote that um, my friend Christian um, shared with me. And it's that the lips of wisdom are closed except to the ears of understanding. Oh, so that, that just means that like you have to be willing to understand and willing to let go of these shackles, these chains. And then when you are willing, you can tap into the wisdom. Yeah. I, I, love that, I love that, by the way, as well. And uh, just something quote that comes to my mind as well that I was reading there, uh, Terence McKenney says, uh, no one knows enough to worry. And I think that ties into what you just saying there as well, like the whole concept of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But Matt, I would love to see uh, right. your perspective on that as well. I'll let you come and chime in. Yeah, it's a really great question. I ask it to a lot of guests on my podcast as well. And one of the ways that I frame it is, uh, you know, I'll be talking to a guest and I'll say, okay, you know, we're talking about, you know, living this infinite reality with our with our passions and everything that we want. But I'm a, you know, a single guy. I have a girlfriend, but I don't have any kids. Um, so I don't have to, I don't have any mouths to feed, right? And so I'll ask, like, how do you, how the pretty much the same question how do we deal with you know you got to pay the bills you got to eat got to do do stuff like that one of the most beautiful answers i got was from um gordana birna she's a one of oprah's super soul 100 teachers or whatever she just released a book and she's like when i became a mother it was more important that i set the example for them um to to be myself to be congruent to uh, uh you know have an enjoyable life experience. So, you know, on a very practical side, um, there's seasons for things, you know, you got to educate yourself, you got to work, um, you know, but like one of the ways that I made money as a snowboard bum in Whistler and, uh, I may, I was a snowboard coach. So I learned, I wanted to snowboard every single day. So I became a snowboard coach. You know what I mean? I solved that thing. You can solve it creatively, figure out what it is you really, really want to do. Uh, one of Alan Watts, quotes is uh you know people would ask him what do i do what do, what job should i do and he's like well what would you do if money was no object you know do that every day um and then you know figure out the money after 
you know, build it around the thing that you want to do. If money didn't matter, what is the thing you want to do? Maybe it's surfing, maybe it's art. Um, but we are in this reality that needs money. Um, but I would just say that, you know, you could be practical about it too. You know, there's nothing wrong with work, right? I had to work, sell cars for five, six months. And then I traveled for six, you know, and then I came back and I made some money and then I traveled again. It was temporary to achieve my goal. We, we might have to work for it for a bit until we can, uh, completely eject from the system. And that's kind of currently where I am now. So like financially, you know, people are like, Oh, you live an amazing life. I was like, you have no idea how much faith. I jump all in all the time out of like a thousand, you know, a plane. Like I am so all in, you know what I mean? And waiting for like, and that's how faith and miracles and things happen. You show up and you keep doing the things that you, uh, you know, that you're supposed to do that, that you know is your highest calling. And there's nothing wrong with working towards that. Just looking at where you're compromising, you know, so maybe you have to work for a little bit. Um, but keep your sights on where you're going, what it is that you want. And, um, and it's the continuing continual refinement of those questions who am i what am i passionate about what do i love what do i want to do um how do i want to express myself you know what kind of life do i want to live and you know you could just pull shoot and work you know i could work at starbucks in whistler and be happier than making you know 200 grand a year in downtown toronto like you know i know sanders in toronto toronto's a great city but it's my nightmare it's too busy it's like i need nature i need mountains i need to be outside i need to snowboard and cities they're just too much for me. Mm. So if I could just be in a space where my outdoors is where people travel the world from, you can do that. But you have to then sacrifice the $200,000 a year job. Mm. But you also get to rid of waiting in traffic every day and all that other stuff. But some people like cities and that's fine too. But it's just getting really f familiar with what it is you actually value mo most. How do you want to live your life on a daily basis? You know, don't be, don't be a weekend liver. You know, you, you work all week to have two days off. You know, what about if every single day is designed how you want? What's most important to you? And so that's kind of how I would phrase or give some feedback on that question. It's a really good question. Yeah, I love that, by the way. I love both your insights as well. As well, And I was actually just from that as well, I thought a little, a little question there. I was actually thinking as well, when do you think the, the struggle of sort of trying to find that that um, sense what you were both talking about, like the, the trying to overcome them them questions, like the challenges that them questions propose to you in your life. Do you think that's the way the way this game sort of set up the game the game of life sort of designed that way? So, so you've got to actually push hard and sort of fight past them questions to get the bigger reward because we know in life now if you sort of take it easy, you you don't get you don't really reap the reap the rewards. So what I'm basically trying to say is, do you think them questions like the hard questions that come to your life actually provide? more of a steal for a person's mind and actually creates them who they truly are. Yeah, I was thinking about that yesterday when I was uh, having a conversation in the park with a friend um, that like, wow, how worthwhile, this process is so worthwhile to go through these like existential contemplations and these existential crises because when you come out the other side, it is just the most rewarding thing imaginable and it's this total liberation from uh, a system and a framework that you perhaps once felt trapped in. So, yeah, I don't know. I think there certainly is an element of that in our existence. And part of, you know, it's like, I do believe that we're all God and that there's when we're born, there's sort of like an induced amnesia. Um, because as like, but let's say like a singularity, a point of oneness, um, a total Zen state where God is all unified and one and it's still and it's euphoric and it's blissful and it feels perfect um but there it's certainly it might lack some um dynamics and 
So from that point of singularity, you have something like a Big Bang, where it ex the universe explodes outward and separates itself into an infinite number of manifestations, whether that's star systems, galaxies, and then grasses and trees and then microorganisms, so that it can have an experience. Now, if if each of these infinite manifestations already knew wholeheartedly that it was God and that this was just sort of a game, let's say, then it wouldn't the the stakes of the game wouldn't be as high and it wouldn't be as rewarding. I, I recently heard Aubrey Marcus touch on something of this nature and he said, like, imagine, he's like, have any of you ever played poker without money being involved or without it being strip poker where you could lose your clothes? And he's like, it's a fucking horrible game yeah, to yeah. play with no stakes. And so, yeah, I think to your question, like, that, that could be a big part of our existence. It's like, you need to sort of trek through, let's say, some of that darkness and these uh, contemplations. And then when you break through to the other side, it's so enriching. And I mean, in all likelihood, even once you break through to the other side, you're probably still going to have to go and navigate through some darkness at another point. And then you're going to have another breakthrough, which makes the game even that much more enriching and rewarding. Mm, yeah. 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 I 100% I agree. And I, I kind of I have similar thoughts thoughts to that basically it's like you know if you see it as a game and it's a learning experience so where i'm at with it is just life is a learning experience and so you know let's just say we're playing super mario and uh you have that little tunnel you can go through and skip six levels right well if you go in you skip six levels maybe in level two or three you learn how to like you know mm -hmm. crush the koopa and you know do some sort of thing but when you get to level six without learning the skills you might not have the skill to play at level six so i think we're just learning these different skills and if we just it was super easy um it would be no fun uh, and we're just here learning and we and learning is a process growth is a process and we're just experiencing ourselves. and i love that sanders was talking about um just us being god and i i have that understanding too or that belief anyways that you know we are all god experiencing itself as illusions of separation and when you talk to someone you're experiencing god in another form that is you and it's weird because i've experienced these states through meditation um sometimes psychedelics and it's like this deep knowing that i am god that i am the, the source and oneness type of thing but it's not a place where words get to come so you know that's where you can really um resonate with a zen master like alan watts or somebody who can share that concept in a way that's so uh succinct and powerful like uh, the way of zen by alan watts is a really challenging read um you would think it would be easy and wonderful but uh, every paragraph i'm looking up two or three words but he's you know he's uh, describing this phenomena as, uh, as us being god experiencing itself in such a beautiful and succinct way that you're like yeah like that that's kind of what it's like and so if we come here and we know that we're infinite, we know that uh, we, we have all the answers, we're all knowing, then what is the purpose of this existence? Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. so we're, we're going through that process. And, and you know, in, in the autobiography of a yogi and a lot of the spiritual texts, it just talks about the veil. And that's just our understanding of reality, of this connection with oneness, of this remembering. So, so yeah, so that's essentially that's essentially what it is yeah. so yeah yeah i love that by the way matt as well i, I love both your perspectives by the way as well and, and uh, michael as well when you were talking before about how you said it perfectly as well when you were talking about how the poker game now it's in my mind as well it's like the same as a sort of a, a computer game without bad guys it would be completely boring it'd be crap and um 
But I'm think I'm actually thinking from that as, as well. And Matt, you sort of touched on it as well when you were talking about all this sort of um, you were talking about all this wisdom from all the ancient teachers talking about how that's the whole path. The path is to sort of learn them challenges and things like that. But I'm actually thinking from that as well. Do you do you guys actually think that we've actually sort of we've chose to come here in this reality for that reason to sort of undergo them challenges and go on this ultimate quest that ultimately makes us find who we are. Uh, yeah, perhaps we may have also just chosen to have an experience without even knowing what it was that we were getting into. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, just jumping into the unknown. Yeah, yeah, dude. That's it. Well, that's an interesting question. I think it's all there's there's so many different theories. One of them that I like is Dolores Dolores Cannon, um, but she basically said, you know, 144,000 uh, people came because we need to, you know, this the planet's under suppression and we need to system bust it. And if you look around. Um, you know, the, the planet is pretty messed up and it needs a rebuild. And it, and now, you know, as a kid, you're almost powerless. You're looking at this and you're, you know, politics are a joke. School is nonsense. Media is all nonsense. So it takes you a while to figure that out and be like, okay, well now we need to build the new systems. And so, you know, I think that, you know, the human experience we chose to have, that's, that's where I think think of it anyway. And I've heard as earth as a school, like when I was in Sedona, it's all, you know, aliens and interdimensional stuff and just really wild concepts. So really fun uh, thought experiments anyways. And, you know, one of them that I heard was, you know, Earth school as being one of the most challenging uh, places to incarnate in all of the galaxies because of what we're, you know, the rule sets and, and we're basically learning to be creators. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you know, I think that we chose this for sure. Um, I, I kind of resonate with Dolores Cannon where, where, you know, I think we came back to, uh, as these beings, as, as, as uh, free will, you know, interdimensional, you know, multidimensional beings to, to help liberate this planet and to liberate each other and, uh, bring love, bring the love frequency. So, you know, like if you look at someone like Buddha or Jesus or something and they existed, okay. Or they didn't exist. It doesn't matter. Um, but what Matt, matters is there's a story about a human who had a message and that energy stays here you know same like bruce lee's 44th anniversary just died that energy is still here about what that human did and yeah. he directly influenced my entire life you know i'm basically modeling my existence around his philosophy a martial artist think for myself developing my mind body spirit understanding you know what i'm capable of um, all those things because of what he taught me and he's not even here anymore. So, uh -huh. you know, if we're all here and we all have that power, I think that that's what we're doing is we're basically, uh, I think Ram Dass said, I, I really love it. It's like, we're all basically just walking each other home, which I think is really beautiful. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, I don't know. That's a really deep question, but, uh, that's, you know, some of the thoughts that I have. It could be, it could be anything. Who knows, man? Yeah. Yeah. Matt, I'd like, I'd like to touch on your, the, your Dolores Cannon point, um, because, She's someone I've looked into as well. I read the three waves of volunteers in the new earth and, um, that, um, actually prior to even having read it, I heard of her and I was inspired to do a quantum healing hypnotherapy, which is uh, for anyone who doesn't know, it's sort of a form of regressive hypnotherapy that Dolores Cannon, uh, created. And, um, so I had a therapist come over to my house. We, talked and went into the hypnotic state. It ended up being a nine hour experience that felt like an hour and a half because time just, it did some funny trick when we were hanging out. And um, um, if, for anyone who doesn't know, 
progressive hypnotherapy, um, you typically you get go into a hypnotic state, you regress into, let's say, past memories that were perhaps suppressed, mm-hmm. maybe some traumatic experiences from childhood that you haven't dealt with and you, do, you don't even consciously remember. And then you go into those memories and you process them, you deal with them, and then you hopefully rehabilitate them. And, um, but then with quantum healing hypnotherapy, it goes a step further and it's often suggested that you'll go into past lives. Um, now for me, I, I've never had the idea that I've been a, a human being before, but I ended up in this quantum healing hypnotherapy going into other dimensions, uh, futuristic scenarios, places throughout the cosmos. I found myself on this one planet with these like translucent um, skyscrapers that you could go through like they weren't um they weren't opaque and they weren't um physical in the sense that they would like you would hit a wall or anything but eventually i found myself in this place where it was pure peace and the therapist asked me like where are you right now and this is my hip- my hypnotic mind is responding and so my conscious mind is just an observer to the words that are coming out of my mouth and i say uh i'm i'm pure light I'm both masculine and feminine. I'm whole. There's nothing to want for. And I'm a star. And then she asked me, she's like, does this star have a name? And my conscious mind, I, Michael Sanders, immediately responded by saying, no, like stars don't have names. That's a human construct. But then the therapist was like, okay, um, well, is there a sound or any word that resonates at all? And my conscious Conscious mind was about to interject again, but then my hypnotic mind was like, it's called Ferome, P-H-O-R-O-M, and it's a star that exists in the ninth and the twelfth dimensions. And so, like, I was observing this as as Michael Sanders just being like, what the fuck does that mean? And, but then she asked me, she's like, can you see planet Earth? And I said, yeah. And I look, and from this hypnotic perspective, I can see planet Earth in the third dimension, the fifth dimension, the sixth, the seventh, eighth, and the ninth. And, and just so everyone knows, I previously, prior to this experience, I had no framework for these different number dimensions. This wasn't a concept I had studied. And, but I'm, I'm seeing it in my mind's eye in this hypnotic state as the earth existing in all of those dimensions. And the fourth dimension was like this transitory state. It was like the earth moving from the third to the fifth. It was kind of like a blob. And, um, but what was interesting is I look at the earth in the third dimension, it kind of looks like this rock this blue and gray rock and green rock. And then in the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth, the earth is becoming lighter and lighter. And in that moment, I was intuiting that it was ascending into a star. And then the therapist asked me, she's like, are you going to go to planet earth? And I said, yes. And she's like, when? I'm like, well, I'm not going to go right now because I'm enjoying the star experience so much. (laughs) And she asked, why are you going to earth? And I said, well, I'm going to volunteer. And she's like, what are you doing there? And I'm like, I'm fostering human connection and sharing love. And this is all in the hypnotic state. So I just wanted to bring this up to Matt because um, this is something that Dolores Cannon, and I ended up reading the book after this experience, The Three Waves of Volunteers and the New Earth. And it's this idea that there are these beings throughout the universe that um, incarnate on planet Earth to uh to volunteer and essentially you know to spread love and to i guess assist in this awakening ascension uh process and just so everyone's clear like i think that this is inside every single one of us it's not something that only special like select people can access man that's that's wild i actually recently had uh, dolores cannon uh 
quantum hypnotherapy as well. And I interviewed huh. Julia Cannon, her daughter, on my podcast as well. And wow. so I ask her big questions like, what's the point of human existence? You know, what are we doing here? What's the deal with aliens? And she has awesome answers to all of it. And so, because, you know, Dolores Cannon, for people who know her, there's a there's a YouTube video. But um, essentially, she was doing these hypnosis way back in the day. And these beings would come through and talk to her. And she just started to write down what they said. You know, she's like, you know, they would, they would come through when people are through in a hypnotic state and I ignored them for a while. But, you know, they just kept coming through. So I figured I'd just write down what they told me. And so she's like, she just calls it mind candy. But, that you know, that's a, such an interesting uh, experience. And when I did my past life regression, it was a very, very interesting experience as well. Um, so, you know, just to add into that. But, uh, yeah, who knows? Who knows what the case is? But, um we're way, you know, the human mind is so limited. Our perception is so limited. We get just a fragment of the light spectrum. Like our minds can be nip- manipulated, controlled. And the more I get out of one box, you know, it's like infinite boxes. And there's just a truth, you know, the, the way that I see what I, what I think is happening is we are going through an actual awakening. And I think that it's the shift in consciousness between like a duck and a human. A, a massive shift in consciousness. I think that's what we're experiencing and we're going to be able to move through this without the death process. So, you know, I think that when we have the death process, we have an ability to move to a higher state of awareness, to a new game, through a new understanding, through a new experience. Um, I think we're having the opportunity to basically evolve our consciousness to this whole realm of understanding and you and i know a lot of people have had this experience you know ayahuasca induces this experience sometimes it's just an insight that you get from nowhere um but it's this 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 connection this this yeah this consciousness that you can't even wrap your head around that just feels way more true than than here and you just know it's the truth and you know it's what you are but uh when you're a human, you can't, you're, you're in the veil, you're in the illusion, you're in Maya. So it's a challenge. And the way you experience this thing is just by presence, really. Um, mm. you know, when you're fully present, you're always in it. You're, you're never not in it. You just, your mind is an a-hole and we're in the <laughs> conditioning. So it's learning to shut that off, to experience the actual truth of, of existence. Yeah. I love that, by the way, two amazing points as well, by the way. And Matt, as well, just want to draw on a point you said as well, because when you were talking about how our um, reality is sort of limited, it's very interesting because I, I had a question in my mind. I would love to see your thoughts on it as well, because I'm actually asking the question as well, and I've, I've posed this to myself before as well. But I'm proposing the question, why do we actually only see sort of a, with that, through that understanding what you said, our mind is limited, why do we actually only sort of see a sliver of the real reality like we know is there? Have you ever, have you ever thought about that? That's a deep question, but I would love to see your thoughts on that. Yeah, again, I think it's very similar to the to the question we were answering. And I think it's it just goes back to Earth being a school. And, yeah. and if we had all the cheat codes, we wouldn't learn the lessons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if, if we knew there's no way we would learn all the lessons, you know, you could take a building a house as an analogy and you could hire somebody to, you know, grid it out, then do uh, your foundation and then do your, uh, you know, windows and your roof and everything that goes. But if you built that soccer from the ground up, then someone's like, yo, man, I need you to help me build this house. Be like, I can help you with that because I went through all of that and it was a huge pain in the ass, but I did it. And I think that's what we're going through. This life process can be a huge pain in the ass, but we also always have the opportunity to, to play through it, to dance yeah. through it. You know, again, Alan wants just to touch on his perspective, which I love. He's like, you know, 
you know, he's like, you, you say you play the piano, right? You don't work the piano, but we're <laughs> working our lives. Why don't we play our lives? You know, why don't we sing and dance our way through this? And we, and we have free will here. This is a free will planet, a free will territory. All of your limitation, your suppression, your limitation is all your own doing. 100%. And you can liberate yourself and step outside of the matrix at any point you want to experience more love, freedom, passion, or whatever it is. So, but when you understand that, you know, you're operating, and that's, and it also, I think, builds this connection and faith to source, to what you actually are, to your connection to spirit, to, to oneness, to source, to the universe, however you want to describe it, because we're moving blindly through this space. And when we guide within our hearts, within our intuition into this infinite unknowing, because you can't know, nobody knows shit. You know what I mean? I don't know anything. Um, and so, but this, this intuitive feeling, you know, I can feel when something is right. I can feel when something is the truth. I can feel and know only within myself if I'm honoring myself or not, or moving towards love or not. And so when we, when we connect more to that feeling, that's that connection to all things. That is the source. And that, that creates a real love, uh, with you and your creator, you know, which is infinite intelligent source or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, and that's what gives us that opportunity because if we knew it's kind of like riding a bike and having your dad just hold to the seat the whole time, you know, it's like, you know, that source is there to pick you up at any time, but you can't see them. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you're always safe. You're infinitely loved beyond imagination, but you just can't see it right now because, um, it would ruin the game. You wouldn't learn anything. So that's my perspective. Yeah. That's a, that's a beautiful insight, and um, it's really, guys, honestly, like the last, uh, I've, I've been quiet for the last uh, 20 minutes or so, but I've just been immersed in your answers, and I think, and it's something that came in my mind is like when you're exploring all these different elements of yourselves, and I was thinking, um, I was thinking that, do we ever like truly find out who we are? Like, do we ever truly know who we are? Because I always go through this understanding of like, like with all the constant change and the influx of information, I'm constantly changing. Do I ever find like a piece of mind of where I can actually just understand? Yes, I know who I am. Or is it just all like a momentary understanding of the place I am right now in the universe? Or am I thinking like, or do you have your place of foundation? Do you actually know who you are and you know who you are? Do you ever get that? Do you, do you ever think we can have that? <laughs> oh, that is a fantastic question. Um, Matt, if you want to jump in on that, that's great. I'm just my I'm going <laughs> off into contemplation right now. Uh, I'd like to just listen to something now. <laughs> it's like the podcast is some sort of psychedelic psychedelic experience, you know. It's just like, hold on, I just need to sit and experience this for a minute. I yeah. don't know where I am. Yeah, it's a really beautiful question. Um, you know, my initial thought is that you are not going to know who you are through thinking. Who you are is so beyond thought in the mind. The reality and the truth of who and what we all are is in another dimension beyond mind. Mind can't even express or know what we actually are. It will never be put into words because it can't be. Um, you know, it's so limited. Sound, we're using sound now. It's, you know, different sounds. People are hearing this and it's interpreting pictures in their mind that's creating a, you know, neural feedback in the brain that's creating feelings and emotions and response and all kinds of chemical stuff what the what the f is that yeah, sounds yeah. you know it's so messed up so 
to know who we are is a constant process, but it, it comes from silence. It, you, you, you know who you are by stop thinking. You can't think about it. Sit down on the grass and just lay there. That's how you know who you are every moment from now being a kid pooping your pants to, you know, a hundred on your deathbed. That's who you'll be. That's who you pooping are. Pooping your pants. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> most stages in life. Um, <laughs> um, and then who you are, I think that signature of you, like, you know, to go like a step further, kind of maybe um, giving a more grounded answer would be it's your expression of joy. That's who you are. Well, I think it's yeah. what what fulfills you, your bliss, who you are is your expression of joy. It's your unique signature of bliss. What lights you up? What fulfills you? What gives you a shit shit eating grin from ear to ear? You know, <laughs> for me, it's like a, a face shot of powder snowboarding. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like this. Oh, God, it's just pure bliss, man. And that's that's who we are. We're, we are our own bliss. We are our own choosing of our expression of joy. That is absolutely beautiful. That's beautiful. That's a powerful point as well. That's probably a, a beautiful place to wrap. Unless, unless Michael wants to answer. Yeah, Michael, uh, Michael unless, you, unless you've got feel, anything else to yeah. add. What are you uh, feeling from that? Uh, I mean, I I feel like we all we all know who we are. We know what we are. We all know that we're everything. And we just get confused sometimes and we get caught in the mind game. But I think deep down, every single one of us knows exactly what we are and that's everything wow yeah uh, what a point what a point i love that by the way and thank you so much boys for coming on the podcast again every single time you come on honestly you expand expand our minds i know you're going to be expanding the listeners minds as well and i just want to say thank you so much because honestly you, you two are just two incredible human beings thank you so much <laughs> you guys are amazing as well all of you thanks so much for uh, having me again yeah boys same thoughts you guys are two beautiful sons of guns it's nice to see um, what a crazy universe it is that I think I was podcast number two and Sanders was six or something yeah, yeah. at the beginning of this journey, you know, and I see the Ascend podcast, you know, just continuing to grow um, in leaps and bounds over the years to come. So thanks for the the work that you guys are doing and the signature that you're putting out and uh, just who you guys are in the community, because I know, you know, a lot of the questions and experiences that you guys have are from your um, your direct community. Right. And there, there might not be the most enlightened community you know there's there's little pockets of us everywhere but doing it you know a lot of people are alone waking up and uh so just your work is needed and it's appreciated and recognized so you know i love i love all three of you guys you're awesome yeah you know, touches the heart that mark really does thank you thanks so much for listening i really hope this podcast inspires you on your journey and resonates with your own shredding of your own cultural operating systems it was so cool chatting to matt and michael We love both of these two and these are two of our favourite people to talk to on the podcast. And if you want to delve more into Matt and Michael's world, please head over to their website. Matt's website is at mattbelay.com where you can grab a copy of his amazing new book, check out his podcast and connect with him. And if you want to delve into the world of Michael Sanders, please head over to his website at michaelsanders.co where you can grab a copy of his book, immerse yourself in some of his amazing writings. And why not also consider supporting the podcast by joining the Ascend community and becoming a Patreon member. And if you become a Patreon member, you will gain access to the private Facebook group where we all connect and discuss many different questions. You'll also gain access to bonus content like bonus podcasts and other rants. 
So if this does tickle your fancy, please head over to www.patreon/send and join the community. And it would be so cool. And I just wanted to also say that we appreciate you all. We love you all that you are all coming on this journey with us. We're a part of your journey, but you are a big part of ours. So anyway, we'll catch you next week where we have another amazing episode. Peace.